0: Hi, everybody. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly, and I am in a position in front of my brand new microphone, having a great time kneeling in front of the computer, worshipping the computer, so to speak. I'm Nick. Thanks for listening. You didn't have to, but you are, so I appreciate it. Uh, Today's episode is another interview with a buddy of mine, a comedy fella, his name is Nick Martinello, he has the same first name as me, Nick, maybe you noticed, he's originally from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and is now uh, hunkering down there uh, after a stint in the great UK, living in Manchester, it's a fun conversation, we uh, get into a lot of different things, (laughs) the television show Intervention is discussed at length. He has an album called Nick Martinello Live at Comedy Bar, and it's new, and you should listen to it. It's very hard to be a performer right now, so give it a listen, Um, buy it if you can, go to nickmartinello.com to find out what's what with that, and then if you have a little money left over, feel free to support this podcast, Nick Flanagan Weekly, patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. Kofi.com slash Nick Flanagan. All of these links will be in the episode description. Write us at weeklypodcast at gmail.com. It's going to be fun. This interview is also fun, so I'm going to get right to it. Here. Enjoy this chat with the hilarious Nick Martinella. Yeah. Um, why are you going to do Well, okay, let's, let's just get this started. Let's clap okay. it in. One, oh, I we were, okay. two. I mean, maybe we are, but do people really want to know about pod- I'm not trying to encourage more people to podcast, you know what I'm saying? Okay, welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Today, I'll be talking to the wonderful. Today, I am here in uh, I'm in Toronto, and you, Nick Martinello, you're in uh, are you in Halifax or small? Are you in Sydney? Where are you from again? Dar- Dartmouth, it's across it's the Dartmouth, harbor. yeah, yeah. So, uh you're a hard-scrabble Dartmouth boy, and uh, yeah man, grew up scrapping. <laughs> Did you really?: I got a few little scraps. I feel like you know Nova Scotia's a, 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 once you start going east, scraps are more of a thing. And also Dartmouth is known as the um, I've, I'm sure there's a bunch of idiotic college students beating the hell out of each other in Halifax, but, And also there's those, there are those neighborhoods where there's swarmings or there were, yeah. but Dartmouth is, is known to be a bit of a, it's basically Trailer Park Boys uh, is, became the, um, um, what do you call it? Like the emblem of a place like Dartmouth, even though I don't even know if it's, is it set in Dartmouth? Yeah, actually that, you know,
1: that opening sequence with the, um, which, okay, by the way, I have a theory that, that open, do you know the opening sequence you've seen Trailer Park Boys. For, right
0: yeah I never saw countdown to liquor day but I have no seen. but you know know that
1: the 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 opening where it's like kind of a zoom shot of the uh, of the trailer park and all the kids like on their bikes that's sure. that, that that was up the street from my house so um at the end of the the road uh I grew up on this little street called Nicole Court adjacent to that is uh Gaston Road and at the end of Gaston is is the trailer park the first one but I think that uh that intro is actually a parody or an homage to uh, Coordination Street. That's great. They've actually That's said in an interview that they wanted Trailer Park Boys to be like a Canadian Coordination Street because it's so like cool. that takes place in um, Salford in Manchester, which is like this working class sort of uh, rough kind of neighborhood. And they want to do that, but about Dartmouth. So they've never actually said that that intro is. Like a parody of the Coronation uh the coordination Street intro, but uh if you if you play if you watch two side by side, they're very similar.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's great. It's uh it's the most Canadian for some reason it feels like the most Canadian aspect of that show, even though that's a very Canadian aspect. I think like yeah. the idea of making our own Coronation Street is like somehow a metaphor for uh, a lot of Canada. <laughs> you know oh, yeah, absolutely. Corner gas was kind of like coronation gas.
1: Yeah. It's just, I cannot, I cannot relate to corner gas at all. Like, it does, it feels like it's from a different country for me. This for is me. the
0: problem with Canadian content in general. It's all so province to province that, yeah. like, it's hard. Like, I can't relate to that. Uh, there's that Newfoundland, um, what's it called? Like, O'Doyle rules. Like there's a Newfoundland detective <laughs> show. Republic of oh, Doyle, Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Republic of Doyle, yeah. Republic of Doyle. And uh, in Nova Scotia, you know, there was a very popular, uh, when Kids in the Hall was out, Canada especially was very um, keen on also in the same breath as Kids in the Hall, always talking about CODCO. Which was, you know, a Halifax um, sketch comedy show with a lot of people who wound up being in tons of shows on Canada in Canada. But any time I tried to watch Codco, I felt like I was watching like a Jamaican sitcom or a British sitcom, like it just yeah uh, yeah yeah. You know, um, I, I
1: think Codco actually was in St. John, like that's all Newfoundland, and oh, then. Okay. The core group of people from that went on to do this hour's twenty minutes, but I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but it's so strange how the Maritimes is maybe just over two million people in total population, but we've got such a big uh, uh, we, we've got such a big lockdown on a part of all of Canadian media. Like, like every other show is filmed in Halifax, set in Halifax, or somewhere in Atlantic Canada, and I feel like so few people could actually relate to that.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> well canadian market. tv is about specific rela- mm-hmm. relatability that's i mean that's really what i'm trying to say it's amazing that trailer park boys kind of captured uh the vibe enough especially at the beginning of the show to kind of be not just universal but also extend to uh the u.s mm-hmm. in terms of people liking it and the same thing is happening now with uh northern ontario with letter kenny you know mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah so uh because Letterkenny's one of the only other shows. If I talk to an American, they'll be like, "Like my friend Dave, um, uh, his uh, Dave Hill is like crazy about Letterkenny. He even has he has a podcast about Canada, and he interviewed our uh, comedic colleague K. Trevor Wilson uh, about Letterkenny a while ago. So is is he a Canadian, Dave, Dave Hill? Well, he wrote a book yeah. that I'm in called Parking the Moose and I don't I mean I really shouldn't make the second thing that I'm in it but you know my sense of self is so tiny that I'm always hey go for it I'm always like I'm in a book and my friend Marianna is in it too he talks all about going to Montreal and hang out with us but yeah he's like part Canadian and he wrote a book about going to Canada so he's He's into Canada and I shouldn't speak out of school, but it sounds like at this point in time, he's like more into Canada than ever. Although I don't think any American has actually ever moved here outside of during the Vietnam War. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. So uh, let's set some groundwork here because set some ground, some foundation here conversationally. Sure. Because some people are listening to this right now and they're just like, well, this is nice. Nick is talking to a guy named Nick. Um, a lot of people listening to this are probably just Canadian comedians who know you, but if people don't know you, can you tell me, we'll start with a truncated version of your life. Like, um, start at the beginning from birth, start start at birth End at now, but I only want like a little bit of time put into it.
1: Okay, so I grew up in, in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Nice, and I uh, stayed here until my early twenties. And I kind of—I was terrible at school. Here's an interesting fact: I failed high school. Do you know anyone else that just failed
0: high school? How did you do that?
1: I didn't have enough credits, and then I didn't take this commu- I, I was—I uh, didn't take a computer class. So they made me come back for one semester. Uh, three. Ten, three days a week for like so, like three hours a week. I had to put my entire life on hold for three hours a week, and uh, then I went to Australia. For Wait, a day. So you got
0: your diploma in the end. Your high yeah school yeah year. I got it. Graduated. I just had to
1: go back, but I was nineteen in high school, and then you know I was, <laughs> uh, I was going like to the liquor store on my lunch break and buying booze for my uh, for my classmates. So I became very popular. <laughs> Fourth year of high school. Yeah uh and then yeah i went to film school i worked in tv for where'd you bit. go to film school uh or television production program at um the nova scotia community college
0: nice. i went
1: i went to university for a bit and then i I went, I went and did that uh i worked on some reality tv shows as a in production yeah pa whatever yeah. i got to work on some like travel stuff like canadian travel shows that are on like um, I'm on Smithsonian Network. That's how I got my first TV credit. I'm on, I'm, I'm, there's a there's a shot of me, uh, I go cave diving with wetsuits
0: in uh, Quebec. That's awesome. So, I didn't even know you could cave dive in Quebec. What? Tell me about it. In the Magdalen Islands? Have you heard of the Magdalen Islands? I've like heard of it. Yeah. But just it's in like, the same yeah. way, I've heard of like an obscure band that I say I know. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the obscure. Upsc- it's like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Obscure islands, I guess, Canadian islands. Uh, we did this like show where we, like um, we um, filmed the Canadian coastlines with uh, helicopter footage, and uh, so was, so the Magdalen Islands is the, like the wind, one of the windsurfing capitals of the world. So everyone just goes there and windsurfs, and they uh, they have all these caves that for sea diving. So we did that, and then uh, then I got a job on Intervention, for the drug show.
0: Really. We, in Canada? Yeah. The Canadian intervention? Yeah. I didn't even know that there yeah. was a Canadian intervention. That sounds like it would secretly be the saddest intervention of all of them. It was terrible. Like I got a joke about it on my album that I just released,
1: but uh, they, um, it was literally, we couldn't find anybody that wasn't um, like from like a lower class to be on the show. Like, the the producers really wanted some, like, a diversity in terms of, like, the people we had on the show in terms of their incomes. But, like, Mm -hmm. nobody who, you know, nobody from, like, a wealthy family would subject themselves to being on TV forever in their worst moments, in Canada at least. But it seems like in America, there's more people and more people are just hungry for fame. So, there's, like, that episode um, with the, it's, like, the daughter of the bass player in Foghat was like a mass smoking stripper and he's on the episode she's on the episode like everyone's like like try to get a little bit of a limelight but we couldn't get anybody to be on the show and it got canceled after two seasons because it was just blatantly uh
0: you know just exploiting poor people yeah. this is something that happens with Uh, It used to happen more with Canadian reality TV. I think they kind of started sorting out what worked in Canada because Big Brother works here, I think. And um, Amazing Race, I think, also works here. Both of those make total sense because uh, it just is, you know, Big Brother is like a popularity contest kind of uh, personalities. There's nothing more to it really than just, personalities interacting and amazing race when you're doing it in a giant country is probably cool you know i haven't watched it but but yeah Yeah. that's amazing about intervention um i mean celebrity rehab is in the u.s you know something that i was obsessed with with uh dr drew the now disgraced dr Dr. drew and uh he's disgraced now i missed that i don't know if he's disgraced it's just that it seems like over the last few years, he's kind of really gotten it's incredible. Up. I heard him on a podcast, like Mark Maron's podcast, and it just sounds like he's got a bit of a, a god complex, believe it or not. However, I liked Celebrity Rehab a lot. I loved that the guy from Thelonious Monster, talk about an obscure band, was uh, one of the drug counselors, and I think in that case, yes, it was people who were hungry for fame, but I, but it was also people who had known being paid attention to for so long. Like
1: Shifty Sherlock from Crazy Town? Shifty
0: Sherlock or Mike Starr from um, Allison Chains, R.I.P. or Heidi Fleiss, Tom Sizemore. I mean, the list goes on and on. And a lot of them died. But uh, that that it actually felt like a better idea to them probably than just being in some regular... Sort of private rehab program where they yeah. maybe felt less accountable. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily a good idea for them, but I I don't I never got the sense from that show that there was that much fame seeking. But but it was a good way to see uh, a lot of people's authentic personalities. You know, which is I think why I was into it. I do think there was some level of authenticity, and it was so sad you know and i but, am attracted So you don't think
1: that there was any like
0: um you know the people that would
1: go on these shows like the, these, these celebrities you don't think that they had any motivation for you know getting back into the the spotlight a little bit in terms of uh, for agreeing to be on the show or i think they, that
0: maybe they thought that a payoff of you know a successful and visible rehabilitation would be good for their career but i mm. I, I i mean the, the people who were there, they were either either so deluded, like they didn't think they had problems, which maybe meant they were there for the fame, but being so deluded, it's like they weren't actually there for the fame. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were actually there to get fixed. And uh, um, Or they were so busted, you know, and a lot of them died from Rodney King to Mindy McCready to Jeff Conaway to Mike Starr. I mean, it is a brutal amount of people who died who were on that show so I think they were yeah. actually in a lot of them were in like serious distress I mean I can't speak for everyone even though I probably watched every episode
1: that's, that's the one thing I got to say about intervention even though you know the entire concept was kind of expectative like that's what I kind of felt it felt weird working uh, I wasn't there for very long but um I gotta say they did the producers did follow up with people after the show And make sure that there was, you know, their rehabilitation was going well. Or in like one case, they bought uh, this. She used to be a sun girl. She was a former sun girl. She got addicted to meth. The Sunday
0: sun. Toronto sun. But also the Halifax sun. They they
1: bought her new teeth after. They didn't have to. That wasn't even on the show. They bought her. They spent like $10,000. But then they were
0: like, you got to put them in yourself. That's the deal. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the teeth. (laughs) Go for it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think that we're so deep into... By the way, I love that I just stopped at the intervention part of your career and now we're just in that, but that's fine. Um, I, I think that a show like Intervention came along so deep in the reality show thing that there was no real going back in terms of is this exploitative or not? You know, it just was like... I feel like cops was kind of the beginning of that you know and and shows like that and and then once that was established and then silly reality tv became a thing and that was almost more exploitative in a way because they were just like a show like flavor of love or rock of love i I love those have you seen rock of love i Watched. Dude, we just watched all of season three of watched Bus, which I which I re-watched. I just
1: watched the entire three seasons. Like that's yeah, the this, best.
0: It's probably the best reality best. show of all time. I think. Oh, absolutely. Adult beverages <laughs> and Ashley and I. I follow. I'm going to try to get Farah from season three on this podcast. Hopefully, she'll do it. One but, of the okay. Who so who's the girl from? I think. Um, I think it was season
1: one. The one with the uh, red hair and her dad came to the house. was talking about blowjobs do you remember was that season two
0: i don't remember i mean i honestly the only season i remember is season three like just based on season three i'm saying it's the greatest reality show the flavor of love is also amazing um but all i'm saying is like sorry go on no i'm just saying um uh rock you gotta do the first two seasons
1: it's like oh yeah i'll go back to it we just like you watched
0: godfather part three and and you're you're like this is great no rock bus is for sure better than the other two (laughs) there's no way they're on a bus it was gimmicky it was gimmicky compared to the other ones what do you mean it was gimmicky compared to the other ones they're all gimmicky get off your high horse just get in. Oh, Stay on the horse. Give it another chance. Get, it. Just I'm not get gonna, it. I mean, I'm gonna watch them for sure. I'm <laughs> did you see Brett Michaels on that, that uh, just
1: show? He was the What's giant that? banana? Mm-hmm. Brett Michaels was the giant banana on that hidden voice show or I heard
0: about that. Um I'm profoundly uncomfortable with that show. It doesn't I, I I know nothing
1: except that Brett Michaels dressed up as a giant banana on TV.
0: I mean, you know, it's just some show with Nick Cannon and they have these weird kind of cosplay furry <laughs> costumes for everybody. And then the people singing are either not exciting or like shit bags. And which, you know, Brett Michaels is arguably both of those things. <laughs> and, yeah, they seem disappointed.
1: I, I one. like I've all I've seen of this show is the Brad Michaels clip, and everyone's seen that they disappointed that they cheered so hard once they found out who it was.
0: Well, it's Sarah awful. Palin was one of them on it too. Really? Yeah, and there's a clip of her singing um, "Baby Got Back," uh, and Nick Cannon is like twerking during it, and it's part of it's part of why we are where we are right now, you know. But it, but anyway, yeah. so stopping with intervention, moving on. In your life, I'd like to intervene on the intervention and reality show discussion, and just keep going with who you are and what your life has been like.
1: Um, Well, I guess around that time, I started. uh, I started doing comedy. I got fired from the TV job. How come? I I just was not qualified. Like they they needed (laughs) a manager. And I was like, yeah, sure, I can be an office manager. I had no experience, right? Like, I kind of, like, in my previous roles, kind of just jumped in and started doing stuff. And, uh, but then I was, found myself, I was the executive, uh, the, the the personal assistant to, like, three executive producers, like, uh, some really high-level people in Canadian entertainment. And mm. I had to, like, set up uh, emails or, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, they had those old phones with the different lines and i'd be hanging up on you know executives and stuff like that so it really didn't uh it wasn't a good fit for me and uh, yeah so i think i was dabbling doing a, I did a few open mics up until that point and then i got fired and i desperately needed a job and i started working at crown and dragon you remember that place the uh, of course i
0: just the only place yeah. i've got on my birthday i was given takeout wings from crown and dragon and it made me so happy it's the they're great wings they're I've like made pretty at, much maybe the best wings one of the best wing places in toronto i uh I, wrote, I know
1: all the recipes i made those wings for like two years that's where i met. I forgot like,
0: about that yeah you were the i guy. was the chef
1: at at crown and dragon and all the guys like you know yeah like ryan horwood and k trevor and hunter collins they're all hanging out there so that's where every
0: every thursday you know if i did this weed uh uh, down the street there was this vapor central comedy show and it was a you know god bless the people who ran it uh god bless them uh hunter collins this hysterical brian o'gorman really funny successful guy and and uh We'd all go to uh, the Crown of Dragon afterwards and and get wings and it was half price day and everyone was nice. That was one of my few like bro hangout comedy things I do ever did, you know. Yeah. Like it was I I I like that kind of thing. But if I'm gonna do it, I'd rather do it in a well-lit pub. You know, like I can't really hang in one of those situations where it's like eight people standing around in a dark, even in comedy bar, just like standing is this huge problem? (laughs) I just wanna be sitting, looking at somebody. I'm I'm standing right now. I I, I prefer to stand. Do Do you have a standing desk? Yeah, yeah. So you moved to Toronto did you move to Toronto for Intervention and stuff, or had you moved there uh, and worked at Crown yeah. and Dragon after all that?
1: I one of the producers, at, um, one of the producers I worked with, referred me to uh, Intervention. After uh, after the show I was working with Ed, so I went to Toronto, did that for a bit, um, and you know, and here's here's something you should mention. It's it was at Crown and Dragon where I became friends with Mads Mickelson.
0: Oh, yeah. Dr. H- Remember that guy? Hannibal. Do you, ever, do you ever hang out with him? No, I just know that he used to hang out at that bar playing darts or something. Yeah, and he's like the, he's like the Dutch uh, Tom Cruise, basically. Like he's
1: a mega celebrity. Yeah, he's he, cool. He seems cool. He's a cool guy. Uh, really weird guy. Uh, do you guys but, still but I, talk? I don't have his, I lost contact, unfortunately, but he did. I was like, man, this guy is probably just a drunk who does this to every, like, you know, hangs out with chicken wing cooks at every city he's in. But, you know, he came back a year later. I saw him at a bar and he recognized me and he started
0: talking and stuff. So was, I don't think he's like a phony or anything like that. The nice. power of recognition. It's so oh, yeah. nice, you know? I mean, I don't You're mean like people. Being, yeah. What?
1: Like, you know, just remembering somebody goes a long way in a lot of
0: people's uh, in minds, you know what I mean? What would you prefer? Somebody visibly kind of saying they know you while working out how they know you? Or, in like, doing the math in their head, uh, like that Julia Roberts meme, but... Um, yeah. Uh, or someone just straight up being like, sorry, I don't remember. Or doing even weirder, nice to meet you. Um... Like, which right. would you prefer? I, I prefer
1: the preamble, personally. I, I'm not impressed by, like, I would rather somebody remember me or the situation we were in than just remember my name. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that, like, have this thing where they'll remember everybody's name, mm-hmm. but I think it's um, a tactic, a social tactic. Now, this is my yeah. paranoia, trying to take down nice people. But, um, you know, I would rather, if, if you, like, were like, hey, you're that guy – that would be more preferable than just somebody remembering my name, but not remembering anything about me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I just think a lot of the time in my experience, like when I've tried to get people back up to speed on where we met, uh, it doesn't feel helpful. I wish it were. I feel like people take it like, Oh, you remember. And you're trying to show me up. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to show you up. I'm just trying to jog your memory. So I don't feel insane because I just, uh, I have something where sometimes if I, it's probably comes from touring or being in bands where like you meet people a couple of times and you like lock it in, you know? And you're like, oh, this is my friend, this is my friend. We're on good terms. So when that's kind of knocked over, which is uh, very common in um, uh, American entertainment sort of scenes, which is understandable. People meet a lot of people. A lot of comedians are the same kind of person.
1: Like if you're on tour and then you, you know,
0: you hang out with a
1: doorman at a venue and you guys get drunk a few times. I think they remember that a little bit more than if you're touring and doing a different club like every week. Right. Like,
0: yeah.
1: But it's kind of hard to keep track of all the people you met
0: or, you know, partied with. Do you um, have a journal for so long? Do you have a journal where you note everyone's um, name and what you did with them and, no, I'm not that organized. Rate no. them out of 10, yeah. 10. 10 being the highest. Rate
1: the experience?
0: Yeah. So, for instance, if you hung out with Bo Derek, that would be a 10. Right, right.
1: What would be a one? Like hanging out with like Hitler
0: or something? <laughs> hanging out with, uh, you know, uh, Is that like who's, what, who's the, the most recently canceled person? Um, uh, Brian Adams. Right, hanging out with Brian Adams this week would be a one. But the Brian Adams thing is kind of more complicated than people want to know. I mean, obviously, he gave a petulant rich guy rant about how, oh, I don't get to play Albert Hall this time. Boo hoo. But uh, honestly, if I were a Canadian and I was going to play Albert Hall, I'd be mad that I didn't get to play it. But even if I were Brian Adams, but and then he goes on this rant about people eating bats. But essentially, it's like a classic militant vegan rant. You know, and, and I think we See, need to re- recognize, yeah. you know, that it's uh, it's coming from a weird super vegan place. Not that it's any more healthy or cool, but, you know, it's not some celebrity being like, they're all eating bats and they're gross and it's the China virus. It's like a guy being like, I hate that they're eating these live animals at the thing. And I think
1: it's hard. He's done a navigator try to figure out how to... She's like let's just get them to hate you for being an insane vegan not for
0: <laughs> racism <laughs> are you a brian adams fanatic me yeah are you an ad head i probably like his
1: photography more
0: than his music <laughs> yeah i i think i'm i think i am too maybe more of a fan of the photography than the music just because once i saw on my favorite television show growing up fashion television uh, fellas oh, know, fellas yeah. know, fellas know why that's the favorite. Um, on my favorite show, they showed uh, his photography, so I related him to my favorite show.
1: I love, I love this theme to that show. By the way, oh. obsession.
0: Yeah, it's a band, right? It's it's a song by uh, I don't know who I don't yeah. know who, but yeah. My do, 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 do. Yeah. Do, do, do. There's no vocals no. in the Fashion Television. Bam. Uh, bam, 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 bam. Yeah exactly no, dun, just... dun 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 That Fas- sounds like I had the Tiger should <laughs> <laughs> Uh Okay So having digressed now where are we at? You are at working at the wing place you're Hanging seeing these out with big time Canadian comedians big time yeah. Dutch actors they're coming in. <laughs> the you're seeing them at in the worst. You're seeing them waiting in line for the bathroom.
1: Hanging out with bus
0: drivers. But you're also doing some comedy at that time.
1: Yeah. So Which I'm is like about I. when I met you. Hanging out with the big dogs, trying to get on their open mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you I think they all think I'm an idiot still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a chicken wing a, guy in their
0: eyes. You are, a pecu- you are a peculiar case. It's an interesting, you, you seem to follow uh, your own kind of um, path without necessarily worrying about, uh, um, I don't know, just, just being on your own tip. It's like everything, every choice you've done, I've been like, that's cool. You know, and we met at a show, a place called Bar With No Name. It's gone now. You had a comedy show that had one of the- gone? Yeah. It had one of the worst uh, sort of obstacle, barrier situations going on as a show. You had to play on the second level of it, uh, basically your, half of your body covered by a, like a, what do you call it? Like, not a wall, but, you know, kind of a fence. I don't know, like a banister you know
1: yeah that was weird huh i
0: mean whatever i had fun doing that show because you were in like and stuff you know so wasn't wasn't that big a deal but uh it was a very challenging (laughs) setup did you try to get them to take that sort of barrier down or
1: no somebody came in and ruined the whole show tell me about Um, that guy alemo you remember him yeah remember that of course he uh he did something really funny where he started a show called chuck chucks <laughs> open mic called chuck chucks and then got a cease and desist letter from yuck yucks but they actually <laughs> threatened to sue him uh that guy came in and i don't know uh he's a nice guy and all, but he's got his problems and he got wasted and just uh called one of the audience, audience members the c-word and, okay um, he had a bottle, you know, it was like ting or something or some kind of soda, but it was filled with rum and you like drank it on stage and then, and then they, they canceled the show after that.
0: Yeah. That's so, a, that's a real risk with an open mic, you know? Um, yeah. There's no vetting. Cause everyone's no, Someone might do vet. something crazy. I mean, I remember, I didn't even have an open mic. I just booked this guy. I don't even remember why I booked him. He's like a friend of a friend and he did like super edgy, anti-comedy, which I guess was something I was trying to do or was doing at the time. But um, I had a lot of goodwill going for me for whatever reason. And he did not. And he came up and he just kind of like was dropping the N-word and doing his thing and doing like race jokes. And um, the bouncer wound up just like, walking right up to like the front and just like staring him down for the entirety of his set. So that didn't end the show. The show had a sort of wild and wooly vibe, but in another type of venue probably would be freaking done, you know? Wait, which, which which venue was that? It was a Drake Hotel, it was my show joke. But okay, yeah. how did you find your, your time doing stand-up in Toronto? Uh,
1: I quite enjoyed it. I love Toronto, man. Uh, it was cool. It was, uh, I don't know, it kind of changed. Like, I remember, you know, it's probably, everyone has that sort of, like, rosy glasses, memories of the past, but it just seemed like when, you know, around 2011, I think, when I moved to Toronto, or 2012, you know, there's, like, a lot of that, like, had kind of huge big name acts like coming to places like the underground and uh like tom segura would come and uh yeah just a lot of the netflix comedians uh were just coming
0: to the city before they were netflix comedians even what before they were even they were, Netflix. They were, yeah the, the, most yeah, of them exactly. were just joe rogan guests who were super famous yeah because of that you know
1: uh, well e- even joe rogan would come to the underground yeah he that's talked
0: something. about it on his podcast make, and for those not listening uh, who those listening who don't know what we're talking about this venue that's <laughs> the same location for years but various names including the underground comedy club clandestine and uh, a few other things the underground uh, cafe and social club the underground cafe and social club it was always a place where you could Legally smoke pot, and so because the way before legalization, even in the US, um, American comics would come there all the time. And you know, for a long time, I basically considered that like my home club just because I wasn't doing yuck yucks and I wasn't doing you know, absolute comedy, which is the other one here, and at the underground, I was getting the chance to open for Duncan Trussell and Brendan Walsh, work with Ben Kronberg, like lots of different people. And, uh, yeah, that was a very special era for that, you know, and, and um, it, Did was, you it was. Do you remember the
1: Poor Boys show?
0: I just, um, Poor, that's Poor Boys. Th- that's still yeah. happening.
1: There was the other one down on college, but the one on Clinton had a, had a kind of just, but like, Hannibal... Uh, Burris dropped by and just did a set. <laughs> like, it was kind of like stuff like that, which I think just kind of didn't, doesn't seem to happen as much over, you know, uh, you know, after a while, like
0: those... Uh, p- people stopped coming up from the U.S. Not that it, it wasn't any less exciting. or. Fun. I mean, people kept coming from the U.S. You know, they still do. It just was, I think a yeah. lot of them were more... A lot of them were L.A. comics for whatever reason. And I don't think always every LA comic who is doing an entire weekend, and I'm talking about more like people my age, you know, like not older ones. I don't think they're dying to necessarily get up more if they're doing like four shows that are paid over like three days and they're going home. Whereas I think the underground did something where they would give people money and just kind of be like, stick around, we can get you shows here, here, here and here on top of your shows, you know. And um I mean that being said, we had Todd Berry at last Sabbath ages ago and uh you know I just saw uh, like it's still happening a little bit, but it's a bit more of like a a favor. I feel like we had a really good comic. I think we might have had like Jermaine Fowler or something at my stand-up show, now that I think of it. And the reason I bring that up is because I just watched him on Celebrity Drag Race and it was amazing. He is hysterical. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Jermaine Fow- Fowler. I totally forgot about that. So, I mean, it's still happening. It's just a side effect of having, having touring comics, but I do think that the specific venue you're talking about, the underground and, and certain other yeah. places, people would show up. There was a show called Spirits and you'd always get, if someone was in town, people might play it, you know? Uh,
1: Maybe the yeah. dropping in culture has changed. I
0: don't know. But it just kind well, of felt. It was. It was just kind of like cool. When I, I think up. Americans are just, you know, Canada is just like another sh- tour stop now. You know, Toronto For is just sure. another tour stop. So, Comedy Bar is really well established. You know, and and if you're gonna hop on a show, it'll probably be on another show in Comedy Bar because that's the main place people are are, are doing stand up. And and yeah, so so that did change. I think. I think Comedy Bar kind of like just was became a collective hub of like all of this sort of circular culture in, in Toronto, although there's still a lot going on. I actually think it's yeah. kind of a question of like there's more going on than ever right now, so it's really hard to kind of focus on, on one. Maybe
1: thing. that's because it has like quadrupled in size or something, the amount of people, uh, you know, I find the stand-up scene in Toronto got really big. But do
0: you it. think, given the the situation now with the pandemic, a lot of people are going to move out? I think
1: I don't know. That's that's thing about
0: that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I've had a lot of friends say they're done with it. You know, in the this. This is going to crush a lot of people's
1: dreams, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if you have an oversaturated situation like like what's been going on in comedy, uh, in North America, you know, I mean, I I don't I don't know how a, what like they're kind of needed to be a forced stop uh, or else people were just, Donna was talking about the great equalizer, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if it's the great equalizer. (laughs) I mean, I'm not necessarily happy that this is happening because I think truthfully, comedy has kind of became for like 80% of the people doing it more of a social thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, I don't know where I fall in that. I guess it's a bit different. My friend Chris, you've got a lot of people, or do you think
1: there's even some people that want
0: to like quit and this is kind of like a nice way out? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, at some point, because it just allows you to stop and look at risk versus reward or where you're at with it, and just say, or to like, especially go, well, do I even miss it? You know? And yeah, um, for me, I have a lot of different ways that I like to express myself but stand-up has always been a really good one. And for me, a really enjoyable one. So, and I've also altered the way I do it a little bit in terms of where I'm doing it and um, how, what I'm choosing to do when I do it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't talked to anyone who's quit. I think, I mean, I think we're just in the beginning of all of this. I mean, I might be crazy, but I just think we're, we're in the period where there's been the thing it's not over as much as we all want it to be over. It's basically going to hang on in some capacity uh, for a while. But in, in that, there's prob- don't you think there's probably going to be like the economic part is going to like actually hit us in like six months to seven months where it's kind of like, oh, taxes are now. Na- oh. Yeah. So it's like Oh. <laughs> That's the thing.
1: That's the thing, man. It's going to be like, what happens? Uh, we're like, oh, well, the stores are opening up again. Then it's business as usual. It's like, not nah, really. There's going to be like a lot of consequences to everything that's happening right now. Yeah, like all the people taking their the SERB checks that don't qualify, they got to pay that back. So now the 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 Canadian government is going to be like the just trying to collect all this money from people. It's going to be a nightmare.
0: You know what I mean? I mean, I think they're going to have to call that off after a while. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think they might have to be like, "Look, we're having such a bad time collecting, improperly collected, uh, like getting people to repay money that we're just going to do this sort of like universal tax increase <laughs> to get the money back." Yeah, you think know? that's? that's I, I don't know, man. I, like, I have never been in this situation. You know, I've never been in a situation that could end in, as they call, austerity. Uh, I also think that it's possible Canada could come out of this like much better than a lot of other countries just because from what I can see we're so pragmatic as a country you know and that's that's part of why wealthy people don't want to do intervention It's part of like why there is most funding of entertainment there's a lot of free money that needs to exist before they can even agree to make a show you know so so uh and i think the pragmatism has paid off in that there is no universal there's a very small percentage of people who are like fighting to stop lockdown although there's a lot of people kind of flouting the rules i do get that because there's not been a very clear explanation of what we are supposed to or not supposed to do i think yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's um so much the, the contrast between here and
1: the uk where i was living before um i uh, well I came back to halifax my hometown or mm-hmm. Dartmouth. just like the they had the pubs open when you know all of europe was in lockdown it was like saint patrick's day and i just i had to go get groceries and i was just wandering the streets of manchester looking at all these like dudes like Wandering at pubs wasted in the middle of the day. And I'm like, it's, it was business as usual up until it, it, the government had to come in. Like, nobody thought that, you know, there, I don't know if it was some, maybe a little bit of national arrogance, but they're like, they, this is not going to happen here. There was just this nobody was, uh, like, if when they announced uh, that there would be a, a potential lockdown happening, everybody went to the, the pubs that, night. like, they probably made the problem, the, the, disease spread way faster but come down coming back to Canada it seems like we really have a mentality of I don't know like everyone kind of came together and, and kind of did their part for this. I was surprised by how many people were just adopted.
0: I mean I've been surprised too. I, I'm in a, a, an area in Toronto called Parkdale and you know it's a really mixed income area. It's kind of got a lot of even if it's got wealth in it, it almost has like the identity of it is very hard scrabble and And you know, trying to protect or uh, uh you know just just you know there's just a lot of social programs around here and and um I've found that in this area people are actually a lot more seem a lot more conscious of it than in uh you know richer neighborhoods that I've driven to to pick up video games from strangers in
1: yeah. interesting some <laughs> sort of uh maybe like entitlement issues with that like i mean you know
0: the truth the is the ability to
1: flaunt the rules the yeah. truth
0: is this illness is is very uh social like it's very class driven done to some extent you know it's it's, it's yeah. i think there's you know um probably less so in canada i would think just because i i think that a lot of our deaths have been from long term care homes you know and and it's only going to get worse in the end of it but but i i think that because of that there's a lot of people who live in densely packed condos who think they're not uh you know a lot of people are are going oh well you know i'm going to the cottage this weekend or i'm visiting my parents for mother's day like i still see all of that kind of what i think of as fairly unwise shit but i i was thinking about this today it's like i don't really want to become a nation of snitches i hate to sound so babyish but i like i don't want to be in a world where people are taking photos of me because they think i'm breaking a social rule you know even though like i've seen people being so dumb that i want to break i want to take pictures but well i don't want to take pictures but you know i'm judging them or whatever but i also want us to be like safe and um you know, I don't think we're done with this. Like, that's basically the thing is like, yeah, we're being good now, but we kind of have to keep doing that, you know? And, uh, but yes, the UK definitely a a lot of things, I think, uh, I think they came at it with a wrongheaded idea, that herd immunity idea, you know, which I still hear that word. I still have people going, well, we're waiting for herd immunity. And it's like, what are we why is everyone an expert on herd immunity suddenly i don't know anything about herd immunity like well, just you
1: know, yeah the the idea that the you can even develop immunity from just having it like we haven't even shown that right not confirmed yeah
0: yeah it's like, like kids you, not getting you just, it you might be able to get it
1: multiple times yeah i don't know
0: no one knows yeah like herpes yeah you get herpes on your butt Herpes you get herpes, on herpes one, then you get herpes two. And now herpes three, because the addition of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like if you get both hepatitis, you have hepatitis AB. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: A and ABC. C is the worst. Yes, but if you have ABC, you're. Uh, forget it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a hilarious twist on that, but uh, forget it. Forget that joke. Always forget be... that riff always be coughing um (laughs) yeah a b c that's that's COVID. Uh, yeah i so, so i mean you know it's there's so many unknowns but and again i think a lot of the sort of anxiety of the day as much as it has to do with being isolated we've actually been sort of trained to you know trust our phones and computers as social just, just, you know, like means of being social. So I think we were prepared for it in that sense, but I do think the uncertainty is what's so hard right now. Oh and, yeah. And, and um, on top of that, I think it's kind of, for me, it's like bringing up like greater uncertainty, you know, like realizing that it's always been uncertain and kind of like wrapping your head around that like admitting that i don't know like how are you handling this whole thing what was it like being in the uk for this where were you were you in london
1: no i was in manchester i really want to um, i I was going to move to london this summer and but it's happened it was it was really a weird feeling man i've never felt so like insecure right just the idea that i had to make this decision it's like all right well do i just like leave everything here behind and yeah i I decided to come back to canada before they closed the borders so it's just like okay i got a place here i've done you know i've established myself thus far in england and you know this is kind of like the trajectory i thought everything my life was going and then having to reverse that with like i think i made the decision every day it was getting worse it was like the spreading here the numbers are going up borders Mm -hmm. are closed I ended up getting the last flight from France to Montreal, like the very last, one of the very last European flights, period, back to Canada. And uh, that was just, I've never had a feeling like, like of not being able to go home if I wanted to. That kind of just deep uncertainty was great. Uh, was,
0: yeah. was that... Uh, um... Was it a full the worst thing was
1: I, I ended up working for the NHS. I worked for the NHS briefly. Uh-huh. all service. Because I was doing a comedy, but I also just had this gig at a catering company mm-hmm. that, you know, one of those ones where it's like, did they do this in Canada? They, there was an app where you can download the app and then you put in your information and then they're like... Here, do you want to go handle drinks at a convention center?
0: Uh, I've never know. done that through an app, but yeah. I, it was one of the, I, you know, was there's one of like those. email lists and, and similar things here. Yeah. So they, they basically took the entire staff of this country and then put
1: them into an NHS call center to handle coronavirus inquiries. And they were, I was like, well, you know, there's no more comedy. Hello,
0: cool. is there still there's comedy? Something. My inquiry is that there's still <laughs> comedy. This is Jimmy Carr, and I was going to do a Carmody show, and... Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 How yeah, to listen fun. to a, ha- a heckler with a well-pre-written, re- pre- excellent uh, rant, if there's no <laughs> 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 crowd. Jimmy Carr signing off.
1: Yeah, his famous laugh. That that oh. laugh. Eh? Ha-ha! Right. That's the only British impression I can do.
0: He kind of reminds me of that dude, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg. I think he's his name. The lead in A Serious Man. And uh, right. also, also he was in uh, Boardwalk Empire as uh, Ace Ro- as Rothstein or whatever. Oh, The Serious Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a good actor. Yeah, that guy's great. But... Um, so, so you're there. You're, you were doing comedy. So, I mean, I've
1: been, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they put me in this big like I, I was like, all right, well this would be I can stay employed during this whole thing, and I'm sort of helping people. But it was this gigantic room, in, in actually where the uh, Ariana Grande bombing happened that they oh. up. and good uh, vibes and they only. Had, they had like yeah, great vibes, and they had about like 300 people just crammed into this filthy place, and, yeah. and there's coughing everywhere like literally in my yeah. training session i next to me was coughing and sweating the entire time and i was like this is crazy some
0: of the grossest conditions for middle class people i've seen are in the uk <laughs> i'm just gonna yeah. come on and say that and there's, there's a lot of like haphazard bedding created for visitors <laughs> the food feels wrong and it's you know. it's really weird it's like i don't know I love the uk don't get me wrong but it's i don't understand yeah. why they treat themselves that way no it's so weird like the the
1: division between just the like, these neighborhoods like this place called Tamside, which was like i thought it was like one of the poorest places in all of like united kingdom and just like they have different like municipal services for different neighborhoods within the same city and like you can go to like one neighborhood and it's noticeably just, there's more trash on the ground. There's like, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like the US, you know, in places like Pittsburgh, there's like nice parts. Then you turn the corner and it just feels like a ghost town. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But but you had, did you feel like going to, moving to the UK, which what did you do that in like 2015, 2016 or something?
1: No, that was more recent. That was in twenty uh, the end
0: of, or 2018 or something. Man, well, you've done so much travel that it's, it's hard for me. I mean, I definitely remember when you were going around the world, right? Basically. Yeah, yeah, Asia yeah. And stuff. Do you want to talk about that and your horrible experience?
1: Oh, right, yeah. You sure don't or have not. to. Like, no, I mean, if you want it's good content.
0: Yeah, well, content's king. I mean, we haven't even gotten to... Content's very... Content's more important than it ever has been right now. Does it, it doesn't seem that way, quality-wise? But I do agree with you. Maybe that's why ever. it doesn't seem that way because I'm so negative well, sometimes. I, I feel got, my I content the, isn't as good as this.
1: It. Content is on par with like that Rolling Stones performance. <laughs> Which one, Sars? Oh. No, I remember the you, the one where there's like a, a had Elton John's basketball net. Remember that in the background? Did you watch that thing? What was it wasn't called? Together, the world at home with Lady Gaga. Oh, no,
0: I haven't watched any of the like celebrity stuff. I wouldn't Imagine recommend Imagine is where it just, I kind of ended. You know, it's like, okay, that's it was great to everybody.
1: These yeah. mega celebrities, when you take away the just all their support, it's just them at home and it's just like, wow. Like, it's, like Elton John was in his backyard and he had one of those basketball hoops so that you fill up with water with a couple cinder blocks on it. And that was in the background. And he's got like a, a baby grand piano in front of it. <laughs> some
0: basketball strewn around. It. It's like,
1: yeah, you're not that much different. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, you know, a really funny thing to watch these days, I've only watched one, is uh, Graham Norton, you know, the UK chat host. Like, he's, yeah, 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 his show's amazing anyway. And if we're talking about like talk shows, it's just he's is, like the best, probably. I it's mean, like, it feels like it, the
1: least. The most comfortable. his guests seem like they're the most comfortable. It seems like a natural conversation. I just of-
0: think it's, it's what something like Craig Ferguson was aiming to do in the US, but it was such a different approach that it, I really, I, I hated trying to watch Craig Ferguson when I was younger, but as I went on I started to really appreciate what he was trying to do, which was have like a weird yeah. natural conversation. Um, but yeah, Graham Norton, I mean, it runs rings around um, a lot of the current American talk shows because I just think he's not dependent on a monologue. You know, it's like, it is a funny show, but right. it's it's rarely dependent on, you know, that sort of monologue and, and I don't, I'll never understand why, like, I just feel like all the new talk shows that are all people who I'm fans of, you know, they just got so into the Trump thing that it just created like a myopia or something, a comic, like a material myopia that just like, it just canceled any sort of relevance to my life because I'm already watching news analysis that has humor in it about this stuff that's more in depth, you know? So why am I going to watch Seth Meyers or, you know?
1: Yeah, they're so so dependent on that format. Like, no one, they don't want to change. It's really weird to just... Give a speech to people and then sit down, and then you know what I mean. It's like, and they have sketches, and yeah, I don't know, just the content for YouTube so they can have those little sound bites.
0: I mean, stuff. I never wanted. Steve Colbert to do a monologue i 've never said to myself wow i 'd love to hear a monologue from this guy <laughs> yeah. like what I want from him is something like the colbert report where it 's like sophisticated and improvised and and uh, at, uh, to some extent and 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 that being said it 's what I want is not important <laughs> it 's what he wants to do you know but yeah. but it's it's it 's just weird anyway, Graham Norton is fun during the pandemic and uh, I was surprised during the Imagine thing, just like Sia, you know, you'd think she would have killed it. She did not kill it, singing Imagine. No. I mean, I, I think it's well, funny a bit thing of about singing. Yeah, well, she's a, it's it's a bad, bad song, too. Yeah, I don't give I I don't. I certainly don't care about it, but, um, you know, are you one of these guys who's like, I hate the Beatles, man? Me? I'm not yeah. a big.
1: Honestly, like, uh, I'm not a big beatles fan but i'm not like uh i'm not their enemy so i'm not a
0: yeah
1: beatles. it's like they're fine they're, they got some great songs it's just that you song like
0: is- yellow submarine
1: that's a little bit cheesy i how
0: it goes oh i'd like to be you know what i do like that other i like the mm-hmm. other song uh, Octopus's garden that's a similar song on the sea i like Octopus's garden this song's fun it's cute yeah. It's got a nice. Who would you like to hang out with of the surviving Beatles? Ringo or Paul? Oh, um, they're
1: both. They both seem like not very fun, but I think I'd <laughs> go with. Uh... Ringo, because I could probably go get a burger or something with Ringo.
0: Yeah, Ringo seems like he's kind of mischievous, <laughs> which I appreciate. You know, like he yeah. also seems like there's you, something very toxic about him. You know, like his whole look well, and, and his sunglasses. Um, Harry Nelson. Did you see the <laughs> yeah the documentary
1: where it was like him and uh, him and uh, John Lennon were like notorious hecklers at comedy clubs. I think I missed that. But you missed that part. Him I, and Ringo I, would come in and just ruthlessly heckle comedians. I like, know.
0: So- I, uh, that does sound familiar, like going to the comedy store or something, and doing that. But, but yeah, uh, I just remember from the Harry Nilsson documentary, it just sounded like Ringo was just doing cocaine, allegedly, and uh, yeah, and just kind can't of had way like, more,
1: had way more edge than I was expecting.
0: Yeah, maybe he was kind of a Kaiser Soze type. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he was like responsible for like Jonestown. <laughs> And there's also that clip Another that they always play
1: in the best show, where he's talking about burning, like just throwing about fan letters in the garbage.
0: Oh, it's the best. I mean, that was Howard Stern was yeah, the first me. one I saw. Peace and love, yeah. peace and love. I mean, that is <laughs> for the ages. That is, I think that might be better than the Beatles' body of work. You know, except for yeah, number nine. I agree. Maybe number number nine or whatever that song was is better. You know that one, number nine. The number is nine. That really, number nine. Avant garde one. Yeah. You know what? I know that song. I know I know that's I
1: that I know the Simpsons parody before I even heard the song. You know? I just I think I, I remember putting mm-hmm. Sorry, I think I saw like Citizen Kane in its entirety through snippets on the Simpsons well,
0: Yeah, you're a few years younger than me and that's funny because right? I think you are. That's how you got this visa yeah. to work in the UK, I believe. And uh I I uh Mad Magazine was like that for me, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there were so many movies I was either too young to see or just hadn't seen. And Mad Magazine would be like a, cliff, a hilarious Cole's Notes, Cliff Notes version of it. And so it was amazing. And then my parents also had a lot of VHS tapes, so I could actually like then watch the movies. like, And Citizen Kane, I had for sure seen parodies of before I saw it, but I made a point to see it early because classic.
1: It's great. That hand shot through the billboard thing, like in the wind, like that, that's insane. There's some technical feats in that movie that are just, when you like take away, you know, if, if you understand the context, they're just like, wow, you know?
0: Well, I, I was reading about Bob Dylan late last night for some reason and he was talking about his early work and he was like, I was doing something then that like had nothing to do with me. It was just like, I was kind of a vessel for it. Like I can't write masters of war or it's especially it's all right, Ma.' I'm only bleeding. You know, I can't do that now I can do stuff and it's maybe it's good, but it's not, it's, it's not something that just came to me and was this special thing in the same way. And it seems like that must be the story with, uh, Orson Wells, like man, he just like came out of the gate with that that War of the Worlds yeah. thing. And then um And he was like
1: twenty-five too. That's you know in his twenties.
0: Yeah, and then you know Touch of Evil f- is amazing and Do you find that men whole, from the Charlton past Charlton Heston as older? a Mexican, what?
1: <laughs> Do you find that men from the past look older than they are? Of course. Yeah. They look like shit. Was it the- Was it the smoking and the lead poisoning?
0: Yeah, it was a lot of things. It was probably war rations, you know, for the people who didn't go to war or being in a war for the people who did go to war or uh, smoking and probably opiates and speed. And, you know, I mean. I I watched this uh, uh, Jimmy
1: Carter, not Jimmy Carter. um, Oh, he's
0: old as hell looking.
1: He's always um, looked old. Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And like. It's like this this young girl, and she was like, mm, You're so sexy. She was like fawning over him in the movie. And it's just, I was so surprised by it first, like his sex appeal. And then um, there's a part, the guy who plays Jackie Treehorn in The Big Lebowski, it's like one of his early roles. He plays this military commander that like, gets going to jail, and, and, and Jimmy Stewart is his lawyer. But they're like, Yeah, he's 28 years old. And then it shows him he's got like these huge, like, Wrinkles on his eyes and he just looks his skin, he just looks, looks so rough. And I'm like, how is this guy younger than me? You know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that's why someone know. like Paul Newman was just like, people were like, Oh, wow, you know, because he he looked old by the 70s, but you know, yeah. he looked he looked old as hell by slap shot, you know. But that but but uh you know, in the 60s, he just was like like actually a matinee idol. He looked old. I mean, James Dean looked old, but they looked good. Yeah. You know, like and, and uh, yeah, Marlon Brando by the seventies. It's just something in the like. When did Robert Duvall ever look young? You know, these are kind of the last versions. Jerry of the Still- kind of did you see?
1: You- did you see any of the pictures of Jerry Stiller like as a young man?
0: Did he look the same? He-
1: yeah, he looks older somehow. Younger. He looks. You, you've
0: kind of got a young Jerry Stiller look.
1: Yeah, somebody, somebody. that's what I saw the picture there. Like, I thought this was Nick Marnell and they put, they, they put a picture of uh, Jerry the 70s. I was like, <laughs> no, it's, I don't think they're wrong.
0: Well, look, Nick, I, I think we might not even have time for your special Asia story, which is good because I, I don't want to get too heavy right now. Maybe you could tell it again, uh, tell it some other time on the podcast. I like that. Yeah, have me, have me back. back for sure. I like to have um, people come yeah. back. So uh, now I just kind of want you to, Tell me about your comedy album that you made. What led up to the comedy album coming out? How are you going to market it? What's up? Uh, well, yeah,
1: marketing. That's uh, I kind of like to do things myself. I, I didn't know you're supposed to tease like the album. I just dropped it. Like, here you go. Mm-hmm. And people were like reaching out to me, like, why didn't you like put the poster out to let people know? Build some, build some. Uh, you know, desire, right? Just like, oh, but, so that, that was okay. So I've just been going on podcasts like this, trying to kind of get people to go listen. I uh, Well, what's yeah, it called
0: I, and where can they find it?
1: Just It's Live at Comedy bars. Nick Martinello. I just decided to, I was trying to think of a clever name. I just decided to go with the, uh, what, what's it called when you don't name your thing? Like Title
0: the first free. Album. Self-titled. Title, not title for Self-titled. I, I, I mean, self-titled more, would be basically like not, if you just called it Nick Martinello not a lot of self-titled comedy albums really yeah, it would always be like to... the amazing world of Nick Martinello enter the mind yeah. of Nick Martinello
1: or it's just like uh, just some one of the punchlines from your album is the title sometimes
0: yeah kind of that's always weird to me barrel fire or something. I like kind of just coming up with wordplay that seems appropriate as my titles yeah When I came up with that name, I was like, this is going straight to the charts, top of the charts, baby. And uh, yikes. Even though I put it out with a uh, well-respected label, I'm not sure the sales were equivalent to my other album. Uh, Music or comedy? Comedy. That was my second comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am proud. um... You know, people have paid – for me to release these records, like, I didn't have to spend that much money, which was really Hey, cool. there's nothing like a
1: paid release, man.
0: Yeah. No costs. No return. So how was yeah. the show? How, do you, how are you happy with the album?
1: Yeah, you know, like, I was in Canada doing some uh, comedy clubs and stuff like that. And I uh, had that improv show at uh, Comedy Bar.
0: The game!
1: So, yeah. And Tim still runs it. So I was like, hey, can I, I'm going to be in Ta- Ontario this week. Can I just, like, use that spot and just try to record an album? So I just did it in one take because I figured that's, you know, one, I could get one sold out a night instead of one sold out night where I, you know, invite everybody. And then Comedy Bar has a built-in crowd, too, for, you know, weekend shows. But it was like, I, I probably get one good show and then the other one's not gonna It's probably gonna flatter like, uh, you know, if I got like a two, it would be hard to get two back-to-back shows that are hot at a place like Comedy Bar,
0: so. Yeah, that's uh, been my experience. I mean, I, 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 I've gotten a lot out of repeat recordings, but I, don't, I definitely don't think yeah. it's necessary. I just think- it's I didn't have the time and the
1: resources, so I just did it. Uh, and then actually I got to record it. Recorded, uh, we got a good recording. And I got it, uh, it was pretty much right before. It, I, you know what? It, it the recording was on Brexit Day. So just remember that. I had a joke about coronavirus that I, I left out of the album. But uh, it just. Because. When, when I was it happened that,
0: when, well, coronavirus was a thing? Yeah. Well, no, no. The. Britain left. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I,
1: European Union on. Uh, right. January 30th or something like that yeah, yeah. that's when I did it and then uh, then uh, yeah but uh, yeah it went well and uh, we got it done before everything shut down so that was kind of a relief because you know it's something I've always wanted to do and uh, just uh, being able to uh, man it was hard to just be sitting on all these jokes not knowing
0: yeah. if I'm going to use them again you've been doing comedy right? for a, a, a long time now and I remember talking to an established comedian and being like yeah, I've got an album. And he's like, how long were you doing comedy before put the album out? And I was like... Oh, really? I was like, 10 years. And he was like, okay, that's cool. You know, I and I, I actually do in many ways agree with that. I think that unfortunately in Canada and in, in the, the world, we're like kind of financially forced to put albums out maybe before we need to just in order to get possible airplay, which is then royalties. But i um,
1: honestly that was a big part of my motivation i think i would have liked to wait even longer to make sure like everything was good but i was like man just just it would just be like, nice to get some like try to get some play and get some money you know what i mean so mm-hmm.
0: like,
1: like if i yeah i i, I would have, i think it would have been ideal to just keep like polishing jokes and so it's kind of you, know, you know thrown
0: together at the last minute but it's good to wait then,
1: how 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 long do you perfect something or think you can perfect something? There's
0: so where where can people get your album like Bandcamp or Spotify and all those places? Uh,
1: uh, yeah, all the major streaming services haven't put it on uh, Bandcamp yet.
0: Yeah, throw it up there, bro. They have uh, they have they, they've got days where you've got hundred percent of the purchases. Uh, really? Money coming to you, yeah, yeah. Get it on Bandcamp immediately, I say. And you know, uh, I,
1: I'm gonna get up on band camp. You, you heard it now. This is good. Uh, the band, I'm gonna do my band camp world premiere.
0: Um, and I'm not saying I'm that as a former band camp writer or as someone who I don't have a I don't have stocks. I went band camp. to maybe I'll band buy stocks camp. in band camp.
1: Did you ever go to like a music camp, like a, some of the summer programs? I, I did rock no. camp. What actually. was rock camp like? I was in the bass team, so it's like like five awkward teenagers sitting around with like bass guitars and trying to be like less Claypool I guess and then uh, we had and they they kind of like we had like a first week or whatever it was just kind of hanging out with like people your own tribe I guess and then they, they they assign you bands and also based on skill level and like you know so I was in a pretty shitty band but yeah it was pretty cool. <laughs>
0: um what were they called do you remember the name did you get to name them oh god you did i don't remember I was, uh, what did uh, you play drums? drums uh bass guitar did Did you say that a second ago
1: bass bass yeah yeah
0: so bass. do you still play bass
1: no 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 what's your nah. favorite band favorite band probably, probably of all time I, it's probably Ween. i'll be
0: honest well i love ween too yeah did you I mean, know that one of the best compliments I ever got was finding the boognish.net like the ween fan site they had forums and someone said I was really? a funny comedian in the ween forums
1: okay I got I got something going that's pretty sick because <laughs> those fan it's a toxic fan community yeah. Right. yeah
0: of course it's it is. I hate that they became a jam band. You know, in know. terms not in terms of their sound, but in terms of their fans, it was very fish adjacent. Although I've met a lot of fish fans, I really like. So
1: it was because Fish started covering "Roses Are Free" and then right it was over from the fan base. Sounds like um, you're a fish guy. something. No, um, I was, but I'm more. i have like I kind of grown out of Fish. I yeah. just kind of realized how dumb the whole sound was. <laughs> But uh, check this out, I went viral within the ween forms. Um, there's, a, there's a road in rural Nova Scotia called Ween Street and it intersects at brown, ween and brown. Wow,
0: the brown sound.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's like, they're two, like that, the big brown is a big thing in the world of ween and then just ween and I posted that and people went nuts. I think, and then somebody stole it, put it on Reddit. I think they got like 800 upvotes, but those are my upvotes, so.
0: Damn, because sometimes people do that, and then there's a little known fact about Reddit if you're someone looking to get money in these troubling times. If you make a good enough post, people might give you some, throw you some money, or at least something like a membership or something. I don't know what a Reddit membership gets you, but it's got to be huge. You can't get dislikes on your posts.
1: What are you listening to these days?
0: Uh that's a great question. I uh just today I, I mean that song Choices by E40 makes me so happy. Oh you have, yeah, but have you heard Choices? No. Have you heard it's a song where it's like nope, yep and he just says words and answers them with nope or yup. Uh I'm gonna Martin, check
1: this out. I love E40.
0: Yeah, it's really good. And uh, it became a TikTok kind of viral thing, even though it was like a four or five year old song, which is always kind of cool. I mean, E-40, the longevity is just absurd. So E-40 is a parental, perennial fave. And then uh, I've been hearing a lot of um, songs by this band, The Feelies, lately. And mm. that's, they, they're amazing. I can't believe I didn't really listen hard to them before. Because it's it's right up my alley. It's kind of Velvet Underground-ish, but there's a lot more going there, on. That's from
1: the 60s or 70s, right? The I think
0: it's the 80s, actually, the Feelies. Okay. I think so. And uh, But maybe the late late 70s, uh, 70s and 80s. Because I watched this movie called Smithereens the other day. And um, there was a Feelys song in it, and that was from 1980. But uh, you know, I,
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I know we've got to wrap this up, but I'm just wondering if um... – Okay, something I've been obsessed with finding recently is like maybe one hit wonder artists that actually have a great catalog of music, right? Like, uh, do you know Todd Rundgren? Of course, he's amazing. Yeah, but I only knew him from uh, uh, Bang on the Drum. That's all I knew, right? Is that his
0: song or is that?
1: That is is his song. That That was his big hit song, but that was like 84 or something. And he's got this huge catalog of music that's all great.
0: Well, not only that, he produced like some of the largest, biggest albums ever, including Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. uh,
1: Yeah, what's another one that he
0: did? I mean, he did. uh, I think he did. Bad Finger? Do you know
1: Bad Finger? He did a Bad
0: Finger album. I don't know them very well, but he did do a Bad Finger album. He did the first Sparks album, I think. Really? And then uh, he did. uh, No, I mean, he produced T Rex and he had the brilliant idea of getting Flo and Edie uh, from the Turtles to do the backing vocals on some of their most iconic songs. Like those soaring backing vocals in the T-Rex songs are the guys from the Turtles. So, uh, And I only know this because ironically, we have a shared interest in in, uh, the best show Uh, with Tom Sharpling. And once when I donated, when he was on WFMU, I got a book called The Wizard, A True Star, which is a chronicling of his albums and particularly the ones he produced. So, um, you know, he's, yeah, Todd Rundgren's definitely, there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people who put out like one great solo record or one big song who, when you look into it, were like, Session players and yeah. some of the best things, or songwriters of some of the best things. You know, the Fountain of Wayne guy, Fountains of Wayne guy who just died. Uh, you know, I was never a Fountains of Wayne follower, but, but people sort of wrote hard for that band, even though they just had that one hit that I don't even remember the mom uh, one. Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom. And yeah, that's he all I knew in, as well. He wrote the song from the movie That Thing You Do. And the thing about that song. Is it's like a very well made like sixties pop emulation, you know? So 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 something wait
1: that song's not that song is the guy from Fountains of Wayne.
0: Yeah, he wrote that.
1: I thought that I thought that was like a classic like sixties pop tune.
0: Bro, I'm here to take you through the looking glass and hand you LPs through the looking glass. I've been red pilled. You've been black pilled even. You've been (laughs) black descended into nihilism thanks to this news. Can you fucking believe how many of these musicians are dying right now? It is absurd, and it is so sad. It's crazy. Oh, my God.
1: Well, musicians have compromised immune systems. So
0: it's, uh... <laughs> when you put your soul into the music, it puts your body yeah. at risk. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, Nick, this has been wonderful. The last thing I'll say that I've been listening to is yesterday I watched a uh, – Yesterday I watched this Lou Reed 1998 acoustic performance in Spain for radio three in Spain. And it was incredible. He only played one newer song, one new song. Otherwise this was the sound. This was the, uh, song list. It was, I'll be your mirror. Do you know Lou Reed very well? Musically? Uh, I, I've, I've, I've got deep into it. And the velvet underground. Do you know them too? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it was, I'll be your mirror. Uh, it was Walk on the Wild Side, um, Pale Blue Eyes, uh, and um, Sweet Jane. And then there was another great song. And he, it's amazing. I watched that clip and I was just like, oh, like, I've, I, Lou Reed has really grown on me in the last 10 years anyway, even though I liked The Velvet Underground a lot. I didn't really know. I read like this guy, Lester Bangs, did these sort of takedowns of his solo albums. And I kind of just like was like, Lester Bangs is right, man. But when I listened to them, I was like, oh, I really like a lot of these. And uh, watching this, it just really like cemented that even though he was probably one of the crankiest men in history, um, guy guy could rock.
1: I'm going to check that out. Well, I'm in Spain.
0: Yeah, it's in Spain on Radio Tiny 3. Tiny Desk things? No, no, no. He's long dead before Tiny Desk. Just look up 1998. Oh, no, like, Just look up Lou Reed Acoustic, and it'll come up.
1: Pre-proto Tiny Desk, yeah.
0: And I, I like to consider you the Lou Reed of Canada to UK comedy.
1: That's what they've been, that's what they've been telling me, man. It's, uh, it's pretty uh, accurate.
0: Well, Nick, and we should mention you're also a regular, some semi-regular caller to The Best Show
1: uh yeah i'm waiting, i'm going to get back on as soon as i do i got some i got i do a pretty good neil young impression so i want to uh i'm gonna call in and drop
0: that can you say buy my album in the neil young voice <clears throat>
1: okay so neil young always sounds scared right
0: uh-huh right? yeah
1: like hold on like i've seen the needle and the damage done right that kind of voice yeah Buy my album. I'm Neil Young.
0: That was great. It kind of sounded like Nardwark, but Nardwark kind of sounds like Neil Young, so it works. Yeah, there you go.
1: There you go. Nick, I, you. I, don't know, I don't know what Neil Young sounds like
0: talking, so. <laughs> Google it. It's a, it, it's a trip. Uh, <laughs> okay, Nick, thank you so much. This has been real nice. It's uh, always nice. The yeah. weird thing about now is, like, it's just nice to talk to my friends, you know? So, so I'm Absolutely. glad we could talk yeah, for this long. And uh, do you have any final messages for the people?
1: Yeah, just check out the album. Go to, uh, I just redid my website. So it's just Linktree. I just got Linktree. Linktree's um, you can go so Linktree is great. So what is it?
0: Linktree.com slash Nick Martinello?
1: No, I own the domain, NickMartinello.com. That'll take you right to Linktree, redirect, and uh, you can get a link to the album there. Just NickMartinello.com or just anywhere you can find it, social media. All That's right, bro. Up. All right, bro. Thanks a lot. Oh, wait. And there's one more thing. I'm I'm doing this. uh, There's a venue in Dartmouth called uh, New Scotland Brewery. They have a stage there and everything. I'm doing stand-up comedy on June 3rd in front of a a bunch of cameras they have set up for recording uh, performances. So it's going to be kind of strange, but uh, that's probably going to be the last time I'm doing comedy in a long time. So it's going to be just check out my social media. It's going to be.
0: I'm going to look into something like that. You no, know, look yeah. into something like that. That sounds good. I'm going to copy you.
1: Yeah, do it. Right. hey. Spread the love, man. Get, the, get that comedy out in the world.
0: We're both named Nick, so it's fine.
1: Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks a lot Peace. for having me.
0: Peace, bro. Later. Thanks. See ya. See ya. And that was my talk with Nick. I hope you liked it. I hope it reminded you of Nova Scotia. If you're from Nova Scotia, I hope it taught you a little bit about what people are like down there and about the show intervention and about comedy albums and neuroses and being chill and what a young Jerry Stiller might look like. I hope it taught you many things. I know it taught me millions of things. As always, it's so good doing these Zoom interviews with people. Who are my friends? Because I just haven't seen them for so long. So if there's a bit of a informality, you're sounding like you're. It's sounding like you're just listening in on a phone call. Uh, it's probably just because I'm catching up with them in real time. ads. <laughs> I'm trying to also conduct a very professional podcast. Anyway, NickMartinella.com will take you to his new album, Live at Comedy Bar, and if you want to support nick flanagan weekly that's easily done you can just go to patreon.com slash nick flanagan and become a monthly donor subscriber patron i don't know what the term is or you can go to ko-fi.com slash nick flanagan where you can donate one time or monthly i do get a little bit more from the ko-fi donation so if you'd rather go to ko-fi that would be great and uh, i hope you're having a great day night dawn dusk any other time of day take care oh man Nick oh god Flanagan oh, god. weekly oh man Nick Flanagan weekly